0: Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the 99 in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it. And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house searching carefully until she finds it. And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way I tell you, There will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, the father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours, but now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning everyone. The parables that we have today in our gospel reading teach us more about the heart of God than a whole library full of theological treatises. These parables show us vividly that God cares about each one of us. He will not rest if only one sheep is missing or one coin is lost. These parables show us that he cares deeply enough to go out of his way to save us when we are lost. It was certainly an inconvenience for the shepherd uh, to go out into the desert in search of the lost sheep. And the gospel asks, you know, what person wouldn't do this? I don't know that I would. One percent loss is acceptable, I think, in any business. But it shows how God is different from us, that even one percent is too much, Or what woman would turn over the entire house because she lost one coin and then throw some sort of lavish party to celebrate? It's probably spent more celebrating than the value of that little coin. But it shows the generosity, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. This portrait of God's goodness and His mercy and forgiveness is set in high relief by the contrary attitude of the Pharisees Who are complaining about Jesus. He goes out looking for sinners. He eats with tax collectors. These Pharisees, if they possessed Christ's power and authority, they would perhaps destroy all sinners. But Christ rather uses His power and authority to call sinners back into communion with God. The Pharisees' idea of God is off base. They see God as harsh and judgmental when the truth is that God is a dedicated good shepherd who looks out for every one of His sheep. God feels anxiousness in regards to sinners rather than anger. He wants them back. He doesn't want to condemn them. The Pharisees cannot understand this because they have painted their image of God in their own likeness. They enjoy condemning others for being less perfect than themselves because it feeds their vanity, making them feel superior to others. But in God there is no vanity, only love for His people. This limitless and entirely selfless desire to save sinners was revealed most fully by Christ on the cross. But it also the main theme behind every other episode in salvation history. We just listened to one of those episodes in our first reading. While Moses had been up on the mountain in prayer, receiving the law from God's own hands, the Israelites down in the valley had lost hope and had abandoned their faith. Instead of continuing to trust in the God who had already done so many miracles to save them from slavery to Egypt and Pharaoh, led them safely, they have given up now on God. They've rebelled against God, turning their backs and building an idol out of gold and declaring that this false God was the one who had done all the miracles leading them out of Egypt. From the Pharisees' perspective, God should simply have destroyed them. That's the natural view of things which God seems to adopt in his conversation with Moses when he says he's going to destroy these faithless and stiff-necked people. But God doesn't really mean it. He's only testing Moses, and Moses passes the test. I think it's easy for us to look back on the Old Testament and see God as as, uh, harsh or judgmental, ready to destroy people. But Jesus reminds us that God is a God full of love full of mercy. He says, if you see me, you see the Father. And so as we look at the mercy and love that Jesus has for his people, we see the love of God being revealed through him. And it's good to remind ourselves that as the scriptures tell us in the New Testament, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And so the initiative was not on man's part, but it was God's initiative that God so loved the world, that God sacrificed His Son for our good. And so I think in, as we look at it from that context, uh, when we hear the harshness of that first reading, God is pointing out to Moses the terrible sin of what the people had done by turning to a false god, creating for them a golden idol, and that they, sh- they deserve injustice to be uh, destroyed because of this grievous sin. But God was already prepared to forgive them. He was waiting for Moses' response to do it. And just as Jesus hanging on the cross could easily have condemned all of mankind, Jesus speaks those beautiful words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This beautiful phrase uttered by the Lord on the cross reminds us that it's not because of man's greatness that we are saved but because of our ignorance. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Moses had spent weeks in prayer in God's presence. He had been faithful to God's will through some very difficult times, and so by this point in his life, Moses has come to understand the heart of God, a heart built of mercy and forgiveness. Knowing this, Moses doesn't hesitate to pray for the people. He knows they deserve punishment, but he also knows that God wants to give them another chance to show them again his mercy. And so he confidently asks for that. This message of God's attitude towards us sinners gives us the secret to the sacrament of confession. Our fallen human nature, egged on by the devil's temptations, tends to see confession as something unpleasant. We tend to avoid confession or not to look forward to it. But think about that for a moment. The Gospel again and again says, all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. Why wouldn't you want to give the angels a reason to have a celebration? Or all the saints? The whole of heaven rejoices as one sinner repents and turns back to God. And so we should rather be confident and look forward to coming back home to the father. I tell people over and over again in confession as I thank them for confessing their sins, I say that your desire to be reconciled with God is pleasing to him already. Just as in the story of the prodigal son, before the son even says a word, the father is, is filled with joy just seeing him on the road and runs to his son and lavishly embraces Him and kisses Him. And so the Father is pleased with our desire to come to confession even if we don't make a perfect confession. Have you ever gone to confession and felt worse afterward than you did before? If you did, then the priest who heard your confession did it wrong. Everybody that I know says that when they come back out of confession, they feel as if a weight has been lifted off of them, and they feel like a million bucks. Just this past week, I had the awesome privilege of hearing a young child's very first confession. And when we came out, his father embraced him and said, don't you feel so much better now? And the, you know, that's always been my experience. Confession isn't something that we should fear but something that we should see as, a, as God's mercy being lavished upon us. God didn't invent the sacrament of confession to torture us. He invented it because He loves us. It's not meant to be a drudgery, nor is it God being manipulative or coercive. Rather, confession is God's way of making it as simple and direct as possible for us to come back into the flock after we have wandered off. It is the perfect way for us to let him take us back into his arms, back into his home after we have turned away from him, just as the father in the parable took back his prodigal son. I'm reminded of one of the great sayings that Pope Francis said when he first became the pope. He said, God never grows tired of giving us mercy and forgiveness. He says that it's humanity that grows tired of going back and asking for it again. God knows the devil will keep sowing doubts in our hearts about whether or not God really loves us or whether God can forgive our sins, especially the particularly bad ones that we're most ashamed of. God loves us too much to leave any room for that kind of nagging doubt, so he gives us the sacrament of confession To cut right through the devil's deceptions. If we aren't using this great gift of confession regularly, even monthly, for example, we probably need to re-examine our idea of a loving, merciful God who wants to forgive us. Do we see Him as our loving Father whose mercy and care is limitless? This is how He wants to be seen because it's how He is. And as He reveals Himself to us to be this loving, merciful Father, it's good for us to remind ourselves that we are made in His image and likeness. And so it's within our nature to be merciful to those who have hurt us as well. And so let us, as we reflect on these readings, uh, not fear to come to God and to ask his mercy and forgiveness. But let us also have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us. Amen.